this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Thanks for joining us today for TED Speaks with your host, Ted Carew, the Positive Safety Coach. As co-host and Ted's wife, I have the added task of keeping Ted in line and laughing at his jokes, which isn't always easy. My name is Barb Carew. We are coming to you from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Brewers, Miller Beer, and the Fonz. How could it get any better than that? Our podcast focuses on sharing ideas with business owners and safety professionals to keep employees safe and families together. Our passion for keeping people safe is the reason Total Health and Safety Solutions was created. This is how Ted is able to share his 25 years of safety experience by supporting companies around the globe in their efforts to strengthen their health and safety process. Please join us in welcoming Dr. Scott Geller. Dr. Scott Geller, Ph.D., alumni distinguished professor, is completing 52 years as a teacher and researcher in the Department of Psychology at Virginia Tech and director of the Center for Applied Behavior Systems. Dr. Geller is also a co-founder and senior partner of Safety Performance Solutions. He has authored, co-authored, or edited 52 books, 88 book chapters, 40 training manuals, 275 magazine articles, and over 300 research articles addressing the development and evaluation of behavior-focused interventions to improve human welfare and life satisfaction. Dr. Geller has received Lifetime Achievement Awards from the International Organizational Behavior Management Network and the American Psychological Foundation. The College of Worcester awarded Professor Geller the honorary degree Doctor of Humane Letters. He and his daughter, Krista S. Geller, Ph.D., co-founded the teaching and consulting firm Geller AC4P, Inc., to spread actively caring for people, principles, and application worldwide. Welcome to TED Speaks, and we have a special guest on today, Dr. Scott Geller. Um, I am really excited to have him on our uh, show here today, and the reason why years ago I was fortunate enough to uh, bring him into our organization that I work for, and uh, what he did was really change our culture. And so very excited about ap- the opportunity for Barb and I to uh, speak with uh, Dr. Geller. So Dr. Geller, thank you uh, for being on TED Speaks today. Well, great to be here, Ted. Thank you for the opportunity. You know, knowledge, research goes nowhere without dissemination, without talking, and you're giving us an opportunity to, to share research-based knowledge that could be applied in the real world. See, all those teachers were telling me that I talk too much. I guess it does pay off after a while, right? 
<laughs> well, <laughs> or is that a different way? Okay. I might, I might tend to disagree sometimes, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you joining us today. And one thing that we wanted to kind of start off with is self-motivation. We've watched your TED Talk from a few years back on self-motivation and absolutely loved it. Oh, absolutely, yes. It's so informative and you do such a good job at relating things to real life experience so your listeners can really understand the concept. And I know you covered a lot of information, um, but what I liked is you started out talking about People who inspire us to do things, not because they tell us to, but because we want to. I I just love that. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Oh, sure. And maybe we ought to start by explaining that the difference between leadership and management is that managers, and we need managers in our lives, they hold us accountable to do the right thing and they keep score. And we do the right thing when they're observing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't have a manager watching us. And I claim that leadership is inspiring people to be self-motivated. And I'm also claiming that everybody can be a leader. You know, managers are assigned their positions. But leaders, we can all lead. We have to simply know how to inspire self-motivation. And you know, it gets down to basic three C words. And by the way, this is research-based. I mean, in the academic world, they call it self-determination or self-determinism. And there's been years of research um, on that particular topic. At DC, um, Richard Ryan, they have studied what influences self-determination or Mm self-determinism. And I call it three C words. The first word is choice. Now in the research literature, they call it autonomy, but let's call it choice. The perception of choice. When we believe that we have some choice in this situation, we're more likely to be self-motivated or self-directed. And by the way, how we deal with people certainly influences whether they perceive some choice. For example, If we ask more questions, instead of telling people what to do, ask them what they think should be done in this situation. Again, that implicates some choice. And I can go on and on about choice, but let's let's talk about the second C word. The second C word is competence. Your common sense tells you when you believe you are competent at doing worthwhile work, When you believe you have a skill, you're going to be more likely to be self-motivated. So whenever we recognize people or we thank people for what they're doing well, that increases the perception of competence, you know? So again, that's how people can influence self-motivation in others by recognizing their competent behavior. True. Third C word, the third C word is community. Now, DC and Ryan call it relatedness. But again, to remember it, community, it means the same thing. Do we understand that we're all in this together? It's not about independence. It's interdependent. And boy, do we need that perception in our culture these days. You know, we have so much conflict, you know. 
people, we, we have confirmation bias. People listen to one perspective and they, they discount the other and, and we have this, this conflict. But, you know, we all are in this together. We are related. It takes all of us and it takes diversity. It takes different people with different skills working together to get the job done. So there's kind of a summary of what self-motivation or self-directed behavior. When I perceive some choice, not total choice, some choice. Mm -hmm. When I believe I'm competent, but always willing to learn to do better, but I believe I'm competent and I have a sense of community or a sense of interdependence. Yeah, I, I really like that. I mean, I, I really um, resonate pretty well with the choice, you know. Um, asking the questions, I think, is so so key to the to, from the safety perspective because when you're working with employees, they've usually probably been doing the job for quite a while, and they know the answers a lot of times to the questions. They may not even know that they know the answer, right? But if, if you ask the right questions, they're going to show it to you, and now you have somebody that's that's a part of the community and they believe in the process that you're doing. I mean, and, and so I, I completely agree with what you're saying, doctor. Well, let's talk about the supervisor. Yes. We have a problem. And many supervisors to be efficient, which is not necessarily most effective. Right. They tell people what to do. Mm -hmm. We got a problem, folks. Let's get the job done. I want you to do this, 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 and this. They assign tasks. And, and, and that's fine. As, as you just said, Ted, those people out there, they, they know. They know what's going on. A supervisor ought to play the role of advisor, but ask them, hey, guys, we got this problem. What do you think we ought to do about it? Mm -hmm. Again, they are the competent ones on the line. Give them a sense of choice. And by the way, very likely, they will come up with exactly what the supervisor was thinking they should do. But now they said it. Right. And, and, now, and now you have somebody that's buying into the process, correct? It's all about buying. Yeah, man, it's all about buying. I need to believe in, in, in it. And how you get buy-in is the perception of choice. I know one, um, I think it was a quote that you had in your um, TED Talk, but it, it was very simple, but I just loved it. It said, when you perceive choice, you perceive motivation. And there's so much said right there. You know, if you ask questions, I know I hear Ted talk about, talk about it a lot when he's with our clients or on the floor. Um, you can definitely relate it to safety. If you just tell an employee what to do, giving orders without making them part of the process or asking for the input, it's not going to be as successful. When you make them, you know, part of the process and, you know, have some ownership in it, who isn't going to want to, to do a better job and be self-motivated. So I think that that's so key, having a choice in the matter. Well, it's the short-term versus the long-term, really, right? right? Is what you're looking at. Because you can, you can tell people to not do this, not do that. And while you're watching, they'll do it. But if you walk away, just in spite of you, they will just do the opposite because there's no way Ted's going to tell me what to do, right? <laughs> True. But if you all think about it, the way safety has been presented over the years it comes across as top-down. Yes, I OSHA agree. regulations. Unfortunately, How about yes. this quote? Safety is a condition of employment. <laughs> I mean, that was a, a DuPont slogan. And let's understand what, what the perception is that it's, I'll tell you what to do. Right. You just follow the safety rules and we'll all be safe. 
And you just, again, you just follow that, the SOPs and, and everything is going to be grand, right? There you go. But again, <laughs> yeah. Who comes up with the SOP? You know, who, <laughs> right. and, and as you said earlier, Ted, those folks out in the field, they know, they know where the at-risk behavior is. They do. Yeah. They know where the hazards are. Absolutely. And so indeed, not only giving them choice, but their choice is invaluable to coming up with the, the appropriate SOP, the appropriate procedures to keep people safe. Well, and I think it's kind of like what you were saying, who Dr. Geller is that, um, when you get them involved in that process, now they're going to say, well, you know what? I told that safety person how it has to be done. And guess what? Now they're going to have that buy-in and they're going to tell the people they're working with, this is the way it goes because I came up with the idea. And that's exactly what you kind of want, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, we need to hold each other accountable. Mm-hmm. Again, we all need others coaching us. None of us can do it ourselves alone. None of us know it all. So again, it's this interdependent or community perspective that's essential. And the only way you're going to get the community perspective is by getting people working together with the perception of choice and competence. I mean, we all have different skills that we bring to the job. Yep. And to recognize that and appreciate that, wow, I mean, it all comes together. I have some choice. I'm using my skills and, and the other employees and my people on my team, they're using their skills. And as a community, we make it happen. Yeah, that is so important. And when you talk, I know you talk a bit about um, competency and giving feedback and recognition. And I think in safety, we have to recognize the positives, not just the negative outcomes. And I think sometimes that's how it always is. Like you didn't do this right. And I know that recognizing, Ted, you try to do this. Haven't right. you even had like little giveaways and such in the past well, at previous jobs to recognize the good stuff? Because people are going to react more to that positive than always being shot down. And safety doesn't have to be such a negative field, really. Well, I think the big thing is, is that um, most of the people out there are going to do 99, 90% of the stuff right. But we always, as safety professionals, focus on that 10% or that 5%. And what happens is that then like you're talking about Dr. Geller, that choice goes away for them, you know, and they, and they, 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 they can feel the consequence, but they don't, uh, they don't necessarily even feel part of the community at that point either, because, oh my gosh, we're, I'm going against what everybody else is doing. So I think it's really important to make sure that we're keeping it a positive reinforcement on the good things we're doing versus all the, you know, the, 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 the smaller percentage of not doing the right thing, maybe. Yeah, but I'll let you, Barb made mention a very important word, and, and it's the way we influence each other and ourselves. The word is feedback. How do we give people feedback to influence their sense of competence, to get people working together in a, with a community spirit? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. And so I think we should say a few, let's say a few words about feedback. There's two kinds of feedback. There's supportive feedback. And there's corrective feedback. <laughs> yes. And we need both. You know, we have, we've studied in our lab, we've studied coaches. We've studied wrestling coaches, for example. And we, we've observed that they give lots of corrective feedback. And when they give corrective feedback, they, they do focus on the behavior and they tell the wrestler or the athlete what they're doing wrong. But when they give supportive feedback, and they do give some supportive feedback, 
They're very general about it. Good job. Way to go. So let's, let's understand supportive feedback ought to mention the behavior. Mm-hmm. What did this person do that was well done and was appreciated? And by the way, we give more supportive feedback than corrective feedback. So let's, let me reiterate. Supportive feedback means you recognize what people do well. Right. Guess what that does? It increases their sense of competence. Corrective feedback, of course, and we all need corrective feedback, is when you point out opportunities for improvement. And by the way, that's the way we have to think about it. The mindset is not you did that wrong. Right. The mindset is we can all improve. There's always a way, no one's perfect. So corrective feedback. Now, how do you give corrective feedback? It gets back to our, our perception of choice. You don't just say, that's wrong, do it this way. Corrective feedback requires asking questions. Hey, I noticed you did the job this way. Is there a safer way? Or is that the way you were taught to do the job? Mm-hmm. Is, the point is, get them to tell you. The challenge with corrective feedback, and by, by the way, parents need to do this with their children. Get the child, get the worker to say what they need to do to improve. And the only way you can get them to own up and say what they need to do to improve is to ask them questions. Not to tell them what to do to improve, but to ask them what they think they need to do to improve. And by the way, they know. They know. <laughs> they know, yeah. Yep. And they usually have the answer, right? Exactly. And when they, when they say it, when they say, yes, you know, and, and here's the magic. I will try to do it this way. Yes. When, they, when that comes from their mouth, right. when they say it, wow, that's leadership. That's what leaders do, by the way. Leaders give supportive feedback correctly, and they give corrective feedback correctly. And in the process, they are inspiring self-motivation. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that, that's been my safety philosophy for years. And, and being able to ask the tough questions sometimes, but when they come back with a response, um, you know that when you walk away that they're going to do the things right from there on because they've come up with a solution, they thought about it. But also, as I've had years of uh, football coaching, and I've also practiced that too. And we've been very successful, you know, on a lot of teams that I coach. And the reason I think really is, is because we're giving that positive feedback to the kids of what they're doing good and not necessarily focusing on a negative here or negative there, because a lot of times they already know what those are. And for them to be self-improve, they, they, they listen and we're able to take that good information and they, they build on it. And you don't necessarily see it right away, but you see it over the long haul. And you also use that opportunity to, to correct you know, them. I, I'm with- I have wondered whether how football coaching really happens. You know, I, I wonder, you know, they have their, their, their cameras up in the looking at the field. I, I wonder if, if coaching, football coaching in, perspe- in, in particular, is more top down than it, than it should be. I mean, how often do football coaches ask the players, where's the weak spot? Right. Where are the slow runners? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how football 
coaches do. I don't mm-hmm. know their, their strategies, but from what I see, my perception is that it's pretty top down, that they've got their cameras and so forth on the field and, and they are pretending to know what the next step should be. And I, I wonder how often do they ask the players? And, you know, and the other part of that too is, you know, who, who are those coaches that maybe are doing it the way that you're talking about, you know, the, the, without the uh, top down? And what was their success rate, right? You know, because now they're getting everybody involved and they feel more like a team. I would think that their success rate would be better. It's a, it's a, it's a oh, longer absolutely. road to go. Oh, oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's in the workplace and, and in, on the athletic field. It's interdependency, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We all have our particular skills that we bring to the job or we bring to the competition. And if we work together, we're going to win. Absolutely. And if we include safety in the mix, you know, not only do we do the job well, but we do the job safely. And we need to talk about what does it take to be a safe and productive worker. Well, I, and I do just love that topic of, you know, getting back to feedback in general and then the breakup of supportive and corrective. And I think, uh, Dr. Geller, like you said, sometimes it's easier for people to give the support of there's sometimes uh, people don't want to be that bad guy, but the corrective doesn't have to be negative. I always say, I think when you communicate with someone, it's all in your approach, right? If you have something to say, you just have to think about your audience and how you want to say it. And corrective doesn't have to be a negative because everyone really should want to get better. So if we approach it in a way that makes everyone feel a part of something and self-motivates them, it's a win-win. So I, I like that a lot about, about feedback. You know, one thing we need to say, though, it does take more time. I mean, the, the quick fix way to get the job done is to tell people what to do. You know, right. just do it. <laughs> right. And, and, Top and, down. And, they, and they, they'll, they'll do it. They'll likely do it because you're holding them accountable. But what will they do when you're not there to hold them accountable? So we're, we're claiming here that take a little extra time to let the players, let the workers feel, here's another word in, in the mix, empowered. Not only self-motivated, but they feel empowered. You know, managers use the word empowerment. I give you more to do with fewer resources. Just get her done. <laughs> you know, I empower you. But psychologists talk about empowerment in terms of feeling empowered. And, of course, that connects to self-motivation. Do you feel empowered to get the job done? So, so let's, let's talk about that for, for a minute. Um, feeling empowered means, from psychological science, it means you believe you can answer yes to three questions. First question, can you do it? Can you do the job? The second question is, will it work? You answer yes to will it work? And the third question is, is it worth it? So let's, let's understand these things. What Can you do it? So before you tell people what to do, you better be sure they are trained to do the job, that they know what to do. Now, again, I use the word belief. It's believing I can do it. You know, the managers might think or believe this individual can do the job safely, 
but the worker might not believe they can do it safely within the time limit, for example, within the time limit required. So believing I can do it. Now, believing it will work. What does that mean? It means that the job, the, the behavior you're asking me to do will work to get the outcome we're looking for. So will it work? Will this process, for example, reduce injuries, prevent injuries? So when we teach a safety intervention or a safety-related process, do the people you do they believe that this process will work to keep us safe? Third question, is it worth it? By the way, that first question is a training question. Can I do it? Would you train them to do the job? The second question is education. Sometimes I have to show them data to convince them or tell them a story to convince them that this will work. The third question is motivation. Is it worth it? Are the consequences that we expect to achieve for doing the job, are those consequences worth the effort? And I might tell you that this is the biggest challenge we have, as I see it, in safety. Because it takes, here's another word, emotional intelligence to be a safe worker. What do I mean? The soon certain positive consequences that we're motivated, they are usually not necessarily the safest behaviors. So it's kind of like we're asking people to be safe, but at the same time, man, I want to get the job faster. Right. I want to get it done quickly. I want to get to the break room. More I want productive, to get this right? Over with. More productive, quicker. So, yeah. So the, the point is safety. You're asking me to do this particular job a particular safe way for the possibility, unlikely, but the possibility that somebody might get hurt. Wow. That takes emotional intelligence. That takes the ability to delay soon certain positive consequences and to do something for the future. Not, not easy. Not easy. And that's why that motivational question is, is a tough one. You know, is it worth it? All the stuff you're asking me to do to be safe, is it worth it? The answer, by the way, how do you convince people that it's worth it? I think you need to bring emotions into this. I think you need to bring in some case studies. I need, I need, to, talk, you need to talk about somebody who was injured because they didn't do it safely. Right. You know, I've done a number of keynote speeches around the country with, with Charlie Moorcraft. You might know the name Charlie yep. Moorcraft. Yep. He was injured back in, in the 80s, and he's been traveling ever since telling people about his injury and the consequences, the lifelong consequences it caused. And so he will give the talk. He will start first and talk for an hour to the group about his situation. And then it's my job to follow up and he'll introduce me and say, okay, I'm, I'm Charlie Moorcraft and I'm telling you, I'm asking you and I'm telling you why we need to do this. 
and Scott Geller will come up and he'll tell you what we need to do, how to do it. And of course, my first response after Charlie talks is, how do you guys feel? Are you emotional? Do you understand now that why you do what you do, you safety professionals, you safety leaders, you just heard consequences and you feel those consequences and, and talk to yourself about those consequences and relive that, you know, because that's what will happen if we don't do it safely. Anyway, and then we go on to talk about coaching and so forth and so on. But, um, interesting point let's face it that safety is very often a a fight with human nature because our human nature is to do it quickly productively get it done quickly yep um don't be inconvenienced you know safety very often is inconvenient do it quickly do it most comfortably and so forth and so on and to do it safely is contrary to that in many cases and also sometimes when they work at different places, right, they may go one place that says, hey, we're going to get things done quick, quick, quick. And then you go to another place where, you know what, we're going to make sure everything is done safety-wise. And, and they don't think that you truly believe that when you're working there. So you, you have that too. Oh, absolutely. And we, of course, we have to adjust our behavior depending upon the situation. And you might come to a, a particular situation where the culture, the work culture doesn't support safety in this location the way it does in another location. So now we're talking about community again. Does the community support the interdependent, safety-related way to do the job? I think those are, um, you know, three really great questions to, to ask yourself in any situation. I know since Ted and I have watched your TED Talk episode, we've We've kind of thrown those three questions our way when making business decisions or something. So I I love this whole concept of self-motivation and thank you so much for delving into it with us. And um, we're going to end this episode here. And just to remember those three questions everyone can ask themselves related to safety or not. Can you do it? Will it work? And is it worth it? And this episode with Dr. Geller on self-motivation, we hope you join in and listen. Uh, We will have another episode. He's going to join us also, so stay tuned for that. Thank you so much, Dr. Geller. And have a super safe day. My pleasure, folks. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to TED Speaks with Ted Carew, owner of Total Health and Safety Solutions, providing health and safety support to businesses by customizing a safety process to fit their needs, big or small. Please connect at ted.carew at healthandsafetynow.com or visit our website, healthandsafetynow.com to share your safety stories or find out more about how we can work together to ensure your people go home safely and turn an expense into a profit center. Follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Have a super safe week. 